was just about to say, when do you lose that childlike? When do you use the lose the childlike uh, 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 happiness shrieking moments of just pure joy? Like, like when you're that small, happiness to you is having your goodwill remote in your Halloween pail with an empty water bottle. And then is it like societal? society crashes into you and you're like i need to consume to be happy like obviously that's a complex procedure that doesn't they're unbeknownst to a nine-year-old i suppose but i think it does happen because like have you ever like been around a kid and and money is talked about or a kid will a kid starts to pick up really quick that money has value have you noticed that yeah because like if there's something they want and you say no they say why you say that costs money like well what well i even remember so like um i was really little probably like four or five i was obsessed with corella Deville, which is probably w- really weird for like a vegan to say although i do have black and white hair so i mean maybe her influence still resides in me but they came out with this like beautiful like like corella Deville barbie figurine and it was probably like 60 bucks and my parents were like well if you want this you know you're going to be really good with chores and like, we'll save up for it. And like, you, you will save up this much and mom and dad will save up this much. And then we'll go together and we'll purchase this doll together. And when we got to the counter, when it was time for me to give over my money, I refused. And I started crying because it was like my money. And I made such a stink. My mom like bought it right then and there and then eventually took the money from me. But even at that young age, like I knew that this this money had value, but I didn't understand that it had to be exchanged for goods. But I was willing to like scream and cry because I knew that money had value and I didn't want to give it up. And I was super young. So I don't, maybe, maybe from the moment you realize money has value, that's when shit starts. That's when the happiness starts eroding from just a shriek and a, a pail of goodwill goods into money consuming. I agree. Um, because you're being introduced to the way the world, the, the greater world works. Because when you're that little, you only know home. True. Like, how does home work? You know, like, okay, I have mom and dad, and perhaps you have a brother, sister, dog, cat, like, whatever the, the case is. You gotta... Extended family, maybe. Yeah. So, like, but, but the world, you're, you can't have a family that's billions of people. Like, literally, but that's what the outside world is. And it's just kind of like, you know, you have to kind of go outside. It's like a safe zone. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, it's like a safety bubble, you know, when you're a kid. And definitely when you're introduced to the concept of money, because I'm trying to think about like when I was growing up, like, you know, I kind of grew up. Okay. I experienced childhood when Pokemon cards were new. Me too. Like first edition holographic Charizard, Me which too. is now a $500 fucking card. And then everyone brought that to, uh, to school and stole it like there's probably like a couple bullies that are like th- in their 30s oh, that's now true. that have like uh, just a drawer filled with bent up charizards that they can use to buy a fucking car with <laughs> you know but <laughs> where'd you get all this money charizard holographic card they stole when i was seven. <laughs> oh god man that was fucking massive because before like um okay you know the packaging that's called tommy proof packaging no what is tommy proof packaging i guarantee you know what it is it's that packaging you have to destroy to open so like let's just say you like a clamshell yeah okay and it's just like plastic and like you cut the plastic and sometimes the plastic is so sharp that plastic cuts you and yes 
like they didn't have that with pokemon cards they just had them loose on the fucking thing so i remember like just going to walmart there'd just be empty packs everywhere i don't remember that i was so when i started really being cognizant of pokemon and liking it i was probably about six or seven and i just remember they were a big deal and um this is a stupid story but i remembered that um a friend in the neighborhood had lost a tooth and i asked her if the tooth fairy brought her money and she said no my tooth fairy brings me pokemon cards and i was enraged i was like i went home and like told my mom like maria's tooth fairy gives her pokemon cards and my mom's like well your tooth fairy is giving you nickels <laughs> so deal with it oh man that reminds me of this story like when i was i, don't know, I still think about this randomly but uh my dad used to give me like money every sunday to go walk down the street or ride my bike down the street to go to 7-eleven get the sunday paper and get myself a donut oh that's cute you know so i did that but then so they started selling pokemon cards so and it was like three dollars for a pack so i still got the newspaper and shit but he always wanted me to give him back his change so i came home one day i bought a pack of pokemon cards and i opened it up and i got a holographic jilteon mm. and i was like this is Look, oh my god like i was like shaking like when in like this nervous sweat like yeah. just driving home, like thinking like i had a bag filled with fifty thousand dollars <laughs> then i came home in your little mind oh god dude i was the richest fucking boy on that street <laughs> and then my dad asked for the money back and i said uh Oh, I bought, I, I, I got, I got a jelly on. He's like, Brit, like, and like, we, we argued. And really? then, yeah, I mean, I was like probably nine or, uh, nine or 10. And then he's like, dad, dad was like, you know, if I give you this money, you have to give me back the change. I, am I giving, giving to you to buy Pokemon cards? You want to buy a donut or candy? That's fine. Like one candy bar. That's fine. But don't buy fucking Pokemon. And then I was just like, but I got a jolty on. It's holographic. And he's like, I don't give a shit. And I'm just like, oh man. So I didn't, you know, I knew what, like with money, at least in that case, like there, it comes with certain amount of trust because yeah. you have to earn your money honestly. Um, well, you don't have to, but you should. Well, I couldn't rob a bank and then go to Arby's with it after. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, not at the age of nine. And you were on a bike. Right. Logistically, that just doesn't work. Right. But like my dad trusted me enough with money to. Um, to do that and i've learned over the years that money is like a physical representation of trust because have you ever just owed someone money um i like i'm in debt for student debt so yeah like that's probably the biggest example of me owing someone money or like a friend or like let's just say like your parents or like you know have you ever just like okay like i'll pay you back 20 bucks next week kind of shit um yeah, like, like the probably the biggest example is growing up, we'd buy concert tickets, and, like, one person would buy, like, the five tickets for the five of us, and then it was understood, like, you had to pay that person back, obviously. Yeah. So that's probably, like, the best example. Yeah, but then when somebody doesn't pay you back money, they said they were going to, they're a piece of shit. Oh, my God. Oh, there was, like, one girl in our, like, kind of friend group who, like, didn't pay back, and then she was kind of ostracized from, like, we will, we, she's not going to any more shows because she would not pay back the person who bought the tickets. Yeah, you know, hey, I mean, I'm, I've been a piece of shit in this situation, too, where I just, you know, I still owe people some money, and a lot of it, too, so, but I'm trying to get my life together this year, <laughs> Yeah, well, to this, do so. It's a better year for you already. We talked about, you know, it's a better start already for you. Uh, and yeah. I think the real, can bring back to capitalism, the idea that money buys you happiness. People will tell you money does not buy you happiness, but what do their actions in their lives say? Yeah, especially around Christmas time. It's this trick because you want to buy something for somebody to make them happy. 
So it's this weird loophole that in order to do that, you have to buy them something. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think that, like, I'm trying to think of, like, all the, the, not all the, to think about quantity, but I'm thinking of the things that I was gifted for Christmas. And do those items bring me happiness? And I think they, they, like, some of them bring, like, temporary, temporary joy? I don't know. They, they do, like, I enjoy the things that I received, and I like them. I don't know, because happiness is such a big word, I'm hesitating to say all those objects brought me happiness. You know what I mean? Because, again, for me, happiness comes from creating art with you, creating art with other people, being with people I love, like, bringing me back to that moment of, like, my dog's gonna die, and this this being has brought me so much joy and happiness that I don't want to live a day where I can't rely on the happiness and joy that he brings me. That makes a lot of sense, dude. <laughs> you know, and like that kind of happiness, that's, that's, it, it reminds me of this term, like, you know, like, like shelf life versus like the extension of shelf life. So like the shelf life of like food, you know, like you buy milk, like you can't keep that milk in your fridge for two years. No. Well, I mean, you can, it, should you? It, it won't be fresh. Yes. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> it not. It'll be ingestible. It'll, it'll be really uh, chunky and it'll probably cause you a drizzling shits after three weeks if you drink <laughs> it. But, um, but yeah, but like with people and memories and shit, man, like you, you hold on to that forever because I, I think in many ways those help shape who we are, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's kind of, we're in a way choosing that and it's being reciprocated. Like a movie can't, re- like a video game can't reciprocate me. You know what I'm saying? Like the movie's not like, hey, thanks for fucking watching me. <laughs> you know, you just, you just watch it or, you know, but it's art. So it's, you know, it's mind expanding, but um you know, like when you love somebody and like you know how to, you know, show that you do in a certain way. Like let's just say you make them something or you maybe you buy something for them that they really wanted. Um, you know, that's just kind of a kind of an act into that. But um, I've never been in a situation where somebody said, oh, you didn't buy this for me. You're not a good friend or like you don't really love me because you didn't buy this for me. You know, if anything, yeah. I feel really guilty sometimes like when I don't buy like my friends and family gifts. You know, because, you know, like, especially with Christmas, I've been out of work for over a month now, and I really couldn't buy anybody anything. Yeah. So. And I, I've been in situations where I have never been told, like, you don't love me, you didn't buy me this. I have been in situations where people, I suppose, had expectations that I didn't uphold with, like, gift giving. Um, Like, a context where I thought that I was giving enough gifts to the right people but then apparently i wasn't and i'm being really vague about it intentionally because it's a gross situation i want to talk about but um so it's very rare that i'm confronted with with you're a bad friend because you didn't buy me this or whatever um i think again the the idea that money or objects buy you happiness it's just a bill of goods sold to try to keep you in the workforce and spinning the economy i really think that's what it is and it's consumerism it's capitalism it's it's unfortunately foolhardy and i think the sad thing is that like especially if you don't if you are working so hard and if you're if you're on that hamster wheel just going 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 you don't really have time to stop and think about the fucking rat race that you're subjecting yourself to and that maybe you don't want to be a part of it because if you're on the bottom like you don't even have that time and breadth to think to think about that that 
maybe this is not making me happy. You're just trying to think about, okay, well, I've got to get this covered and this covered and this covered. You're thinking about covering your bases. You're not thinking about actively being happy. It's almost like maybe you play that mental game with yourself of like, once I am, once this is situated, once I own this, then I can focus on happiness. That thought process is really prevalent with people who are like dieting or trying to change their bodies. Like, um, like on Instagram, there'll be posts about, you know, people saying that, you know, I'll be happy when I lose 25 pounds. And the problem is that's a trap because inevitably you have to, you can lose the 25 pounds. You can lose 50 pounds. There's going to be days where you feel like a piece of shit and like you're the same. It's, it's the same. It is the same body, but like you made no quote unquote progress. No change occurred. And so that kind of brings us back to that idea of finding contentness and happiness with where you are in that moment and trusting that's as it should be. But at the same time, you you can't just tell yourself when X happens, then I'll be happy because it doesn't work like that. No, definitely not. Because you set yourself up to where it's like winning American Idol, you know, where if you were winning the reality TV show, like because it's just you win the TV show and you feel fulfilled because the show is over and you came out on top of it. But then what happens after that? Yeah. You know, so it's kind of, well, on a much smaller scale. So if you want to be happy losing 25 pounds, I guess you'd have to be happy with the fact that you were determined enough to do that as opposed to seeing the number on the scale. But I can understand the mindset because, um, you know, it, it just really depends on like what would make someone feel fulfilled, happy and like the positive emotion. Yeah. You yeah, know? I agree. Because I, I I'll be honest, I'll feel I would feel happier if I weighed 100 pounds less. Only because my body is kicking my ass. Well, so, like, you would feel happier to be in a healthier state. Yeah. But I think I think you're right in saying that you should focus on the fact that, like, I'm happy that I had so much drive and intrinsic motivation. And when that leveled off, I still had my drive to push me to go and, and create a healthier body. Or work, I should say, not create a healthier body, but work with the body I have to be healthier. And I totally get that. Um, how are you doing, by the way? You said your body's kicking your ass. You, you, you're still healing and recovering? I am. You know, I've tried to eat better, like, throughout the uh, past two weeks, like, with the new year. Mm -hmm. And, like, even this morning. <coughs> you okay? <clears throat> yeah, I'm all right. Just, uh, phlegm. <laughs> but, um, even Ew. this morning for breakfast, I had a bit of this fucking power smoothie. Mm -hmm. You know, so it was orange juice with pulp. Two bananas, uh, a light Greek yogurt with cherry chunks in it, um, a raspberry bottle, a bottle of raspberry kefir, wow. frozen blueberries, frozen frozen blackberries, frozen strawberries, uh, squirt of lime or lemon juice, and Damn. then you know I always feel great after I you know take that stuff. So yeah, no, I good for you, man. Also good for you. That's like. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, it's really hard because I'm so used to eating like bad shit, but I'm going to try to get better because I just really got to, I, I want to run again. I want to be able to like tie my shoes without fucking holding my breath and almost passing out. You know, it's just like even like recovering, like the incisions on my gut have been made worse because of my weight. Mm -hmm. So I need to lose weight for a practical reason, not to, like, get chicks and shit. And besides, yeah. I'm at the point now where if I lost 100 pounds, there'd be, like, so much skin hanging and shit. But, uh, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm dying just from doing mundane shit. But, you know, that's it, – it, it's a process, man. But, uh, 
kind of leads me to the question that we left on our last podcast. <laughs> so is it possible to have happiness without um, some sort of vulnerability? Um, well, I think if happiness is opening yourself up to relationships with people and like having a relationship with someone, opening yourself up to that and being vulnerable to the person, sure. If your happiness is monetary and things and stuff like that, which you and I don't really, like, agree with, but if that is your happiness, then I don't think you need to be vulnerable. If it's all consuming, you don't need to be vulnerable. If it has to deal with people, then you have to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's craziness, like, or crazy. It's not really crazy, but... This really is, you know, all the best shit in life involves other people in some way. Like, especially, like, with love. I mean, you could have yeah. self-love. That's great. But, uh, you know, like, Tom Hanks in Castaway wanted to get the fuck off that island for a reason, <laughs> even though he had a volleyball. But, um, yeah, dude, people make the the best out of life, man. You know, like, my best uh, Christmas present. You know, I got some decent shit for Christmas. But um, it was New Year's, and I texted my friend um just like how much you know she meant to me and then she like responded back and like left like a longer message and like i was really touched when i first read it but then i read it out loud and i was fucking crying oh that's so sweet you know it's just like you know, like you when you know that you mean a lot to somebody you're like that's just like that's the greatest fucking feeling and you yeah. know just having those people in my life like it'll be a lot easier to get to happiness yeah i i think as a teacher like what makes me happy it's hard being a teacher because teenagers are in such a roller coaster of their life and you see them day to day and you see that roller coaster and you see their highs and their lows but what makes it all worth it is when you get those thank you notes and not necessarily gifts but like this week i i received a letter from a student i had last semester i don't have her anymore but she wrote me a letter to give me on the last day of class and it was about how she felt belonging like in my classroom and how much she it meant to her and so that that's what brings me probably the most happiness and joy and especially something like teaching uh the seeds that you are planting you don't get to see them grow or, or you don't get to sow them until like weeks half a year goes by and then you can see it finally but until then you're kind of in the trenches so i i do agree though i think that when you know that you mean something to somebody that brings a lot of happiness and joy. What would you, like, right now at this stage in your life need to not necessarily be happy now, but in order, like, you know that you need these ingredients to make the recipe of happiness for yourself? Yeah, it would definitely be being creative, creating art with you and, and other people. Um, that's the main thing. I think also taking care of myself and self-care. Um I, I feel like it's really hard for me to talk about happiness because it's like, I don't even, I don't think I've been in a happy space for a very long time. You opened up kind of talking about like 2017 was like the most miserable fucking year for you. I don't think I've been in a happy place for maybe since like a sophomore, junior in undergrad. That's a long fucking time. And it's easy like, I felt like it was so easy to talk about the dark shit, like, vulnerability. Oh, yeah. Right? But, like, now I'm, like, really struggling to be like, oh, fuck, what would make me happy? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about, I would rather talk about, like, just the shit that people would shy away from had you mentioned it in public. 
you know, but <laughs> happiness, it, it's such a new thing. It's like if I read two pages of the Bible and I called myself a devout Christian, Yeah. you know, I, I just don't know. I don't know how to be happy. I know how to be miserable. <laughs> yeah, because like, you have a lot of experience with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, especially like 2014. Like, 2014 was the year the most bad shit happened. 2017 is where I felt the worst. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just, oh, my God, it's so fucking bad. And then mm-hmm. it's been like this for about five years, ever since depression came into my life man like just real crippling depression it's just been really fucked up but um you know i started drinking kefir you know and i've been feeling okay and you know just being in the hospital you know um it was weird because i think i was sounds so fucking selfish to say but i finally felt like i was being treated the way i was feeling mentally before that happened ouch so, like, for instance, like, when, you know, like, when you would tell somebody, like, yeah, man, I think about killing myself. Ah, I just don't kill you. Don't do that. But <laughs> you're like, true. hey, I'm in surgery. Don't move. Let me help you out. <laughs> Let me come over. Let me feed you soup. Are you okay? What do you need? And I feel like, I feel like that's kind of society, society's fault. Like, no one teaches you what to do and a friend tells you you're suicidal other than to say, I can't help you. I love you. Here's somebody you should talk to. It always has to be this, like pushing and i i would imagine like having been in those spaces myself i feel like i'm a burden when i open up to somebody about like yeah i'm really depressed and anxious and like i i haven't actively thought about like killing myself ever i've just like not been able to envision a future and then i feel really bleak and like sad but i've never like i've never plotted or had a plan to end my life thank god and i i don't think i could ever do it um but and my brain just died i just lost that thought um I couldn't do, like, I couldn't do that. I just was, like, bleak and whatever. Yeah, let's hope you never get to that place, man. It, God, it's no. It's not, it's not fun. At least, it's, it's, it's fucking life-changing when, or life-ending, you know? And it's just, like, uh, I, I really do feel people for, you know, who are just in that constant anguish. Yeah, no, and, and this is where I was going to go with the thought was, like, even if I haven't been to that stage of, like, planning my death and me taking my own life, the periods of depression anxiety i have experienced when i do open up to people i do feel like a burden because their their response is there's something wrong with you you need help go find help and like because it feels burdensome because it's like they can't help you they have to push you to somebody else which is fine because they don't have the tools of you know psychology or anything or therapy or something like that or social work but at the same time like you just feel burdensome and it makes you not want to tell anybody even more because it's also our society tells you if you're not happy there's something wrong with you right, right. or if you're not if you're not content there's something wrong with you when in, in, in fact it should probably be if you're happy all the time if you're content all the time something's fucking wrong with you <laughs> you need to shake up your life or do something like you're not you know are you really growing are you pushing yourself are you doing this are you doing that yeah you know let let the roller coaster in like my teenagers let the roller coaster in this is your life it kind of stables out when you're an adult, kind of ish. I'll tell them when I'm eighty, then I'll I'll let them know. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably get it then. A lot of it's just probably just high school because there's a lot of smart teenagers walking around. Well, I, there's a lot of wise teenagers walking around because I mean they're at an age where they probably haven't learned or have been taught critical thinking skills. Well, yeah. And when you try to, it's so difficult because they haven't been primed with that throughout their whole lives. Like, you know, and it's also a maturity thing, too. Like, just where you are developmentally, like, you know, your your, your frontal cortex isn't developed. 
you're, which is responsible for your, like, higher order thinking and reasoning abilities. That's why kids make decisions based off emotion. Because their brain literally isn't functioning at the adult level. It's incapable of it sometimes. The, the, the drive to make decisions with the amygdala and your emotion center is too big to, to, you know, you can't just tell a kid act rationally, use your common sense. Because they don't really have the brain capacity to at times. Yeah, it, like you know, like a fourteen-year-old, like I'm gonna drop out of high school and I'm gonna get a good job. And it's like, uh, uh, is that the best option, like for you right now? Like, is that the yeah. only reason? Well, no, I just don't like going. Yeah, no, and I understand. I mean, high school. I mean, I wouldn't say like high high school sucks. Like, no, high school didn't suck for me. But you have to like you're tiptoeing towards adulthood and and owning all of your human faculties and being your own person but instead you're forced to go to a place where a lot of times you're trivialized and you're treated like a child and i was thinking about this the other day it kind of teaches you to be complacent like like the quote-unquote good students are the ones that sit down and be quiet and follow all directions and i feel really bad at times for in my mind getting angry at the kids who are more comfortable being like out of their seat now the box and questioning me because it, they make my job harder but ultimately they're doing what they need to do like they're questioning and they're thinking and I, i'm happy that they feel free to question me and like do that like it's a safe space for them to do that um but it would make my job a hell of a lot of e- easier if they just like accepted and were complacent and i think a lot of teachers I don't say a lot, but there's teachers out there who just want complacent kids that they can dump knowledge into and have the kids regurgitate it onto a test and then that be done. And they call that teaching. Yeah, it's a job. You know, some people you, you can tell there's a difference between teachers and educators. This is true. This you know, is true. Teachers like I've had a lot of teachers and I've had very few educators. I've remembered every single veg- educator, the teachers I've had. If I look back on them, I'm like, why the fuck were you there? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many. There's so many teachers that are are not where they should be. I've, I've experienced them in every school I've taught in. You come across people that you're just like, why are you here? Or maybe, like, it's past your time and you're not willing to do the research or try to figure out what you're doing wrong to improve your practice. Why are you here? Yeah, it's probably because they got the they they don't really have the other skills to back out. Like like right now, I've been working at a college for ten years. Mm-hmm. I don't have like extensive experience outside of an educational facility, but it's kind of easy for me to get stuck there. For sure, and I'd, I'm happy you brought up college because I think one issue that I have with colleges, and at least in like teaching programs, is they kind of spin it to you like teaching is gonna make you happy. You're giving back to society. You're you're helping young minds flourish and grow. And these young people develop who are going to inherit the earth when you perish. You get to be a part of their life and their experience. And it's kind of sold to you like that's going to make you happy. And I kind of feel not like I'm sold a bill of goods because I think that's, that's got too much of a like sadistic, bad, evil undertone to it. But the fact is that like at the end of the day, teaching teaching is is a profession it's a job it's a career but that is all it is in the end and to kind of bring it back to when my dog found out we had kid cancer i was in the most in teaching and i was like literally like teaching is teaching is great teaching is awesome but in the end it means nothing my love my relationships that's what matters more than anything i went to a it, it really is true I went to a Florence and the Machine concert a few years ago with my friend, and we got 
third row or like in the pit like we like she, awesome. she was as close to me as i am to you right mm. now and so like six feet <clears throat> six six to seven feet yeah like literally like and um it was the day after, or the more the yeah, the night after the uh, shooting at the nightclub in Florida. Pulse, yeah, yeah. So, and she just had this message during. It was so fucking powerful, and you, you know, we were just all completely like just united in this like somber moment. And she just, I can't remember how she said. It. I wish I would have written it down, but it was just like saying something along the lines like, "You have to be love." Yeah. And ever since I it, like learn that you know or ever since i heard that you know despite that you know just having some of the worst personal feelings in my life this past year like i really want to try to fucking be that to be love you know to actually not have my consciousness and my body disembodied you know like to actually live and to believe the things that i you know trust in myself and that i believe in and to like live properly and to be fucking love man because there's nothing better than that shit and if you don't I mean, you can you could feel content without you could feel content without love, but I don't know if you could feel happy without love. I agree, and I think that like what drew me to teaching, in addition to like having that impact, was uh, what I've grown to maybe learn is that teaching is an act of love and care, and that's what that's probably the most. It's one of the most draining aspects of it, but it's also the most rewarding. It definitely is, because you know you're working with those kids and you know like you said like they give you you know you probably won't know in the moment how much of an impact you're making until maybe down the line and you just have this collective like okay i touched 30 kids lives Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fuck that's that's a that's a lot of people yeah yeah definitely and i think that there's there's definitely like mentors in my life who get a lot of happiness and joy out of the impact they have on teenagers lives and, and and helping these kids grow and and flourish um, and I'm, I'm there, but I also know there's other things that I need for myself to make me happy. Like, I know that if I was, cause you were talking about the ingredients of happiness. I know that if I taught for the rest of my life, but I never created anything, I never made art ever again. I didn't record music. I would be left with nothing. I'd be, I'd be a, uh, I'd be a shell. I'd be a teacher and nothing more, but I know that's not me. Yeah. That, um, you know, that kind of leads us to our overall grand purpose in life, which also happens to be the topic for our next podcast. Yes, niches. And our purposes. So, well, that will be all for today. Um, We just did about an hour of podcasting, but we want to thank you guys for listening and uh, take care and be good to each other. Bye. Take care. Thank you.